My sweetheart has gone to visit her dad, who's, uh, who's sick in Ontario, and uh, thank you for your prayers for him. I don't really have an update yet. But one of the things she reminded me of <clears throat> in her loving way, what are the plants? I use blue sticky notes. That's my survival um, it's my survival guide, how I remember stuff. I use blue sticky notes. And so on our kitchen cupboard, water the plants, especially the pot that's underneath the kitchen window because that poor pot is exposed to the eastern sun all day long, all morning long, and it, it's under the eaves so it gets no natural rainfall. So it's a bit like the poor plant is a bit like boiling an egg, you know, so it needs to be watered. And I was reminded, I learned, I had a revelation a few years ago. Um, this has to do with watering our plants. They're not her plants. They're our plants. Which is fair enough, because I enjoy sitting in our backyard. And even though I can't name them, I enjoy the colors. I enjoy the view. So they are our plants. So... My plan, and if you want, you can hold me accountable this week. My plan is to water them every day so they don't die and so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Again, no, but seriously, uh, Luann's very patient. I'm not trying to paint a bad picture of her. I'm just saying I need these prompts to remind me, water the plants. Why? Because they need it. And again, especially this poor, isolated, beautiful hanging plant that tends to fry if you don't pay attention. Now, perfectly obvious, right? Rick, you are the champion of stating the obvious, which is why so many of you pay attention to me, because you know you need to hear the obvious too. We need moisture. We need uh, water. It's interesting that we can live a number of days uh, without food, but not very long without water. Interesting, isn't it? The way organisms are created. And we can't live, really live without spiritual water either. Uh, you know, I was talking about these plants and, and, and negotiating with Luann whose plants they are and whose responsibilities they are. It's kind of like um, children. I found out several years ago as well, uh, gentlemen, if you're a father here, if you're watching your own children, it's not babysitting or childcare, it's parenting. That was kind of a revelation to me too. That there's a shared adventure, right? Not something that's just handed off and delegated, but something that we're in this together. So just as children need nurturing and care, uh, my backyard plants need nurturing and care and attention, intentionality, to flourish and thrive. Our spiritual lives are like that. And we can get dry and crusty and just wither away if we don't pay attention to our spiritual lives. Our spiritual lives inform the rest of our lives too. So that you can have someone, it's possible to have someone who is not doing well physically or financially or socially or suffering in all other areas of your life and yet thriving because they're thriving spiritually. Yesterday, we said goodbye to Marilyn Wallace. We had a celebration of her life and her funeral was here. Some of you were here and heard some of the stories about Marilyn. Remarkable lady. 
Um, <clears throat> in some ways, she did not stand out in a crowd, and even some long-time attenders here at Elam, kind of like this is a challenge in the church when everyone commutes in saying, who is that? And then you see the person's picture and you go, oh, yeah, I know that person. One of the ways to overcome this, by the way, is practice the three-minute rule. We'll do it after church. Go up and talk to somebody that you don't know and say, hi, my name is, and your name is, and then we get to know each other. We connect the names and the faces, okay? That was a free little pastoral tangent there. But as people realized who Marilyn was, and she had a ministry as a greeter at Walmart. She also got paid for it. But we had people here from the Walmart she worked at. We had customers here from the Walmart she worked at. We had people here who had shared a hospital room with her and family who had visited those, her hospital roommates. All of those people came here to honor Marilyn and celebrate her life. Why? Because there was something in Marilyn even though she wasn't prospering physically and she had lots of other challenges and a difficult life, she was thriving spiritually and somehow the Spirit of Jesus came out and communicated that. It was a beautiful thing. I heard a story about in her last days, even as she's dying of cancer, she helps a lady that she had met at Walmart complete the adoption process for a little girl who needed a home. And Marilyn had the chance to get that news before she died. I think it's just the kindness of God, just the icing on the cake to say, hey, Marilyn, good job, keep at it. That, to me, is a picture of someone who's thriving. doesn't matter what your bank balance is. doesn't matter where you live and what you drive or if you don't have anything to drive. doesn't matter if you have a bicycle or no bicycle. doesn't matter. Stuff doesn't matter. It's relationships and thriving spiritually. That's what's really important. Now, the passage we're going to look at this morning is from Jeremiah 17, and it starts with a solemn warning to those of us who try to live life without God and only trusting in ourselves. Life without God results in a spiritual drought. So this morning, we want to talk about and what that means for us. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Think about this verse. We're going to read it again. And I want you to think about all the self-help books you've ever seen. Think about them. Now, I'm all for self-improvement and for making your life better, but who do we ultimately trust in? Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. If we don't draw our strength from God, ultimately we fail. I don't care how successful you are in life. I don't care. Again, I don't care what your address is or what you drive or whatever, how much money you have. If we do not draw our strength from God, Ultimately, we put ourselves under a curse. Anyone who rejects God, rejects his commandments, tries to live life without God, puts themselves under a curse. It's a natural consequence of life without God. Growing up, did your parents ever give you consequences? 
There's a consequence to obeying. There's a consequence to disobeying. There are consequences to disobeying God. And one of those consequences is living a life of spiritual drought and dryness. And we'll talk in a little bit about the hard times that we encounter as Christians. All right? That's not to be confused with what I'm talking about. But just for now, life without God is like being in a spiritual desert. That person, that self-made person who trusts themselves, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. There is a popular heresy in some North American churches floating around that guarantees you material prosperity if you follow Jesus. I'll try to be as blunt and tactful as I can. I grew up in a farm, and every weekend, it was part of my job and privilege to clean out the stalls of the ten horses that lived in our barn. I have a nose for horse manure. Some of the bad theology that's preached that guarantees, guarantees you will be prosperous financially if you only start to follow Jesus is some pretty smelly horse manure. Let me tell you this, because it feeds on a materialistic appetite for more. It turns God into a cosmic vending machine. And then when this doesn't work, so to speak, so to speak, for people, they get disappointed with God because God isn't coming through for them. Well, that's a lie. But when it talks about prosperity here, it talks about spiritual prosperity, doing well in life no matter what the circumstances are. And to me, that's more remarkable than a big pile of money. Do you know why? Because it's counterintuitive. Marilyn Wallace thrived while she was dying of cancer. She was surrounded by people who tenaciously loved her and cared for her. Her six grandsons are just lovely young guys. She flourished while she was wasting away physically. Somehow that wouldn't meet this TV preacher's garbage of a successful life. But they're wrong. You need to listen to God's word. The person without God will not see prosperity when it comes. They'll live in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But, but, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. We know why trees in Western Canada always find themselves located by a river, right? Because they're, they're looking for a water source. Trees are smart. Generally don't find trees in the middle of the prairie. Generally not. Unless there's a water source or a slough or something. So that person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him, will have this renewing water flowing through them all the time. And listen to this promise. This tree does not fear when heat comes. The leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What a promise. If we're connected to God, 
no matter what circumstances are, we will be thriving. Now, let's just stop here. Let's park here for a minute. Because some of us are afflicted with a lot of challenges. Family challenges, health challenges, economic challenges. We just can't seem to get ahead or we're stuck. Through no reason of our own. Sometimes our circumstances are just like that. Not the result of a personal sin or disobedience. It's just a test. Things that happen. Marilyn got cancer. It happened. I'm not God. I can't tell you why it happened. I can't tell you why things happen in your life or barely even in my own life. I am aware when I consciously mess up. But only God knows the heart of a person. Which is important. I want you to look at this verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So God knows what's going on. We cannot, dare not, judge another person saying, well, you're sick because you're sinning. Or you didn't get that job because you're this. Or you don't have enough faith. It's not our job to judge other people. God is the judge. He really doesn't need our help. So in the name of Jesus... Back off. Don't do it. I'm saying that to myself as much as you, or maybe even more. It's easier for us to look at a person in a situation saying, oh, well, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into judgment against someone, and then I've realized, Rick, you're doing it again, and it's not helpful. And the Lord gently, lovingly buffs me in the ear and saying, wake up, what are you doing? Yeah, Lord, that was... Okay, we both know that was dumb. I won't do that anymore. Or try to minimize that. So it's not our job to judge, right? God is a judge. God knows our hearts. Some of us, we are so conflicted, we don't even know our own own heart. That's why the writer says, heart is desperately wicked, and we we want to self-preserve and self-justify and self-protect and self-self-self all the time. Who can know it? That's why it's God's job to search our hearts and examine us. To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Now, do people deserve cancer? Do they deserve chronic illness? No. I don't think so. But it's just life. Life happens. We live in a broken world. The world is not fully redeemed yet. That may not be much comfort to us, but it's not because you were bad and you were sick and that's why you got it. Unless you really consciously choose an unhealthy lifestyle, then we reap the consequences of that. But these random, seemingly random illnesses or, or trials that come into our minds, they just happen. But Jesus is still with us in that trial, in that hard time. And he wants to help us flourish even in challenging circumstances. So we have to be careful here. On the one hand, we see that life without God results in spiritual drought, right? That makes sense. God ultimately gives us what we want in life. He says, you want to live life without me? 
That breaks my heart. But I will not force myself on you. You get what you want. On the other hand, when we seek God with all our heart, then he is found by us and he finds us. And that's brilliant. I'll talk about that, what that looks like in a moment. But ultimately, God knows what's really going on inside a person's heart. And life with God gives us that living water that we crave. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust, for they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Now look at that last, those last two words, living water. Where have we seen that before in the Bible? Living water. Fresh flowing water that's bubbling and clean and good to drink. It's not a stagnant puddle in, on a Winnipeg street. It would be just breeding with mosquitoes, you know. But living water. Jesus said in John 7, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it says in the next verse, in John 7, 39, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. It hadn't quite been revealed yet, but he was promising it's God's Spirit in us, giving us life. And the best way the author could think of describing it was just like this source of, like an artesian well. Have you ever seen an artesian well? They're amazing. The water just keeps coming up. No pumps required. It's just natural pressure and artesian wall. The water just keeps bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up. It's amazing. That's what living water is like. That's what, ha- that's what having God's spirit in our lives can be like if we invite him and nurture that relationship and welcome him. Now, if we want to trust in ourselves, if we want to depend on our own strength and say, no thanks God, I'll do things my own way. Ultimately, what's going to happen is we will wither up and die. We may die with a lot of money and be unsuccessful, or we may die with little money and still be unsuccessful spiritually, but our life will be basically a write-off if you live life without God drawing on His Spirit. There's no way... I can pussyfoot around this issue, okay? I've only got a few weeks left here, and I've got to make it absolutely clear to all of us. If you live life without God, life without God is a dead end. It's a spiritual desert. You're going to live life like a dried-up bush. What a tragedy. What a waste of space on planet Earth. On the other hand, if you lean into God, surrender everything in our lives to Him and saying, Lord, I need you to change me from the inside out. I need your Holy Spirit. I need you, God. I need you. This artesian well starts bubbling up in our spirit. And we have the ability to, to forgive grudges that we've carried for generations. He gives us the strength to say no to addictions and bad habits that have had us in chains for years. He changes our attitudes. Joy starts popping up in our life. And peace and goodness 
long suffering that you never knew you had, all these things, all these spiritual fruit will start popping up. It's amazing. And it's God doing that in us. God transforming us. That's God's desire for us. Because life with God gives us living water. That's why Jesus said, Hey, anybody thirsty? Come to me. That's exactly how he said it in John chapter 7 because he was talking to a large crowd and he was trying to get their attention. Hey, are you thirsty? Come to me and I'll give you water that really satisfies. Do you want to get in on this today, friends? Do you want to get in on this? All we got to do is saying, Lord, I need to be filled. I'm dry. I need to be filled again with you. Point out stuff in my life that maybe I need to re- renounce or maybe the distractions that I need to deal with. Help me push those side, things away so your living water can flow through me. And as it goes through me, just clean out all the junk. Clean out all the junk. It's amazing. The big rain we had last week, all the stuff that's at the bottom of our drain pipe, I didn't know it was there until it sort of gets flushed out and go, ugh, got to get that off the line. Well, God wants to do the same with us in his kindness. It's an act of kindness. It is. And God wants to get this stuff out of us so we can be clean and free and live life the way he intended it to be. What do you say, friends? Do you want in on this? Let's sing the last song, Kim, okay? As we sing this last song, I'm going to ask you just to make it a prayer and say, Holy Spirit, please come. Come into my life. Point out stuff that the Father wants me to stop. Point out things that the Father wants me to start doing. Not that we earn his love, but that it's just a response to his invitation. Okay? Respond to God's invitation. And let him help you to thrive spiritually.